Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Praise the Lord. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Romans chapter 11. Let's take a look at verse 11 and see what the apostle Paul said to the church concerning the Jewish people. Now we're going to receive the tithes and offerings, but look at this amazing statement. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not, but through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So what is the provocative measure that God is using to stir up this jealousy within the Jewish people. It's that salvation Messiah has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. Paul goes on to say that he magnifies his ministry because of its great importance and he says, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy. Again, there's that phrase, to provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. Praise the Lord. You know what? The Lord wants to work through you. Now listen to this very carefully. The Lord wants to work through you to provoke to jealousy those that don't know God, that when they see your life, it stirs like a jealousy in them where they say, I want whatever that blessing is, whatever that good thing going on in their life is, I want that in my life. Praise the Lord. Because if you're defeated and if you're overcome, or if you're bound by the same things that have them oppressed or bound, then there is nothing to stir them up. But my friends, when you're walking in the fullness of the Lord, when you're walking in the fullness of the salvation package, praise God. Yes, the Lord wants to shine through you that others might see that and be provoked by that light, be provoked even the jealousy by the blessing. Praise God. You know, I have a business friend of mine and he went to Israel a few years back and did some business. And he said, you know, I want to do more than just business. And he decided to put a tent up over by the Mount of Olives and just hold some uh, worship services over there. And so he brought some praise and worship teams together and they just did praise and worship and, you know, he had to get permission to do all of that. So he had to meet with certain authorities and officials to get that stamped off in order to have the tent put up there and to be able to do that. Well, he told me that in one of the meetings with the uh, officials, they asked him, you know, why was he wanting to do this? He said, well, I just, you know, want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and, and move amongst us and to bless those that would come to the meetings and uh, the eyes of the men got like that big because when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, that's, that's their thing. And one of the men even said with like an exasperated tone, like, well, that belongs to us. <laughs> the, we, we're the ones that have the Holy Spirit. And my friend said, well, you know, he's, he's moving amongst us. Now, now the thing is, is that somebody that would not believe that could deny it and say it's not happening. But when they look and they see, yep, that's th those are the signs of the Holy spirit. You know, people are getting healed and people are getting blessed and delivered and, and, uh, and on and on it goes. What does it do? It stirs a jealousy to where they, they must consider Jesus Christ as Messiah because he is the Messiah in a sense, is not coming. He's already come. So the next coming is not his first appearing because he's already been here. It's just his second coming. Praise the Lord. But my friends, God wants to work through you. He wants to shine through you in ways 
that produce jealousy in others, not because God's endorsing jealousy, but that they might be stirred up out of their spiritual lethargy, or in many cases for some, stirred up in their state of sin and their place of being separated from God, and consider their lives, and consider the emptiness of endeavoring to live without Christ in one's life. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And so I believe that prosperity is one of these elements of the salvation package that is so clearly revealed throughout the Word of God, Old Testament and New Testament. Now, take a look at this uh, amazing statement in the Bible that any Jewish person would be familiar with. Psalm 115, verse 14, may the Lord give you increase more and more you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. So my friends, the Jewish people understood that God wanted to give increase. How in what measure more and more. So when you're walking in that measure of increase more and more, and you're celebrating the power of the gospel, to not only save your soul, but also the fullness of the gospel, which includes, you know, strength and provision and protection and joy. I tell you what, it's an eye catcher. It's an eye catcher. And it makes people think, Hmm, wow. You know, they may, they may not agree, but I tell you what, it's a tremendous testimony that can stir people. Glory to God, glory to God, particularly the Jewish people. The Jewish people who know these scriptures. Now, see, when we were raised in church, we, uh, not when I say we, I'm talking about the denomination that I belong to. We primarily focused on the New Testament, and we read Old Testament stories uh, with the mindset of almost like uh, what we learned in Sunday school as little children. That's kind of how we viewed the Old Testament. But we would put more of an emphasis on the New Testament. But because of that, we didn't have a good working knowledge of the Old Testament concerning its principles, which was a basic understanding, which any Orthodox Jewish person would know, particularly out of, out of the Torah, out of Deuteronomy. For example, chapter 28, the blessings of obedience and the curses of disobedience. And prosperity is always associated with obedience and walking in the blessings of God and poverty, lack, never having enough money has always been associated with the curse and disobedience. Wow. Praise the Lord. So my friends, when we walk in obedience to God's word, increase comes more and more. And that's a witness to the Jewish people. Amen. And it's certainly a witness to others as well. I know a pastor uh, in a certain state uh, uh, out west, and he and his wife went off to Bible college, and uh, they were newly married, and the father of the young lady who just gotten married, was his, that was his daughter that married this man, and they were going to go into the ministry, so they went to Bible school to get training. But the father told the daughter and his son-in-law, well, if, you go, if y'all go to that Bible college, I don't agree with that Bible college. And if you go there, that's because it was a Pentecostal type Bible college. He said, if you go there, I'm never going to give you a penny. And I'm just going to pretty much disinherit you financially. They said, well, we love you anyhow, but this is what God wants us to do. And so we have to obey the Lord and we love you. We respect you. But, you know, you, you can't control us. And, uh, you know, we're not like a horse where you can dangle a carrot out in front of us. We're going we're gonna to serve the Lord. So uh, the, the father of this uh, lady, uh, he actually owned a very large car dealership, several car dealerships, actually. And when they went to the uh, Bible college, the newly married couple, they, they, all they had was bicycles, but that they're like, that's okay. Well, we're going to serve the Lord and obey the Lord. And within a couple of years, they graduated from the uh, ministry school of training, went out and started a church in that particular city. Well, one day the uh, dad decides uh, to be, you know, I guess his heart got a little soft. He hadn't seen his daughter in a couple of years because he cut them off. He the daughter and the son-in-law. So he decides to go visit them and uh, he, he goes out to where they're at 
And, uh, and the daughter said, well, Dad, just, you know, when you come, just uh, meet us on our, um, our church parking lot. He goes, okay. So um, he pulls up, and, uh, and, you know, the daughter and the husband, they're there waiting for him. He pulls up, and he gets out, and he goes, well, uh, what's, what's all this right here? And they said, well, that's our church building. This is our parking lot that we built. And uh, then, he, then he saw the size of the church building. And he said, um, he said, well, how, uh, how did y'all build this? Uh, they said, well, we just, we just built it. Well, us and our church members, we just built it. He was like, how'd you pay for it? Well, we, we just paid cash. Well, how much did it cost? Well, it cost this many millions of dollars. <laughs> and so this went on for a moment as they're explaining to him. And not, they're not tooting their horn. They're tooting God's horn. Okay, they're, they're bragging on God. And the daughter said that her father fell on his knees in the parking lot. Now, remember, he's, a, he's an unsaved businessman. The only thing that he respects and the only thing that commands respect from him is money. That's it. So she said in the parking lot without them preaching Jesus to him, just trying to explain what God had done since they last saw him and, you know, the facilities and all, you know, it was all beautiful, brand new, uh, that he literally fell on his knees in the parking lot, lifted his hands and said, said, pray, pray for me right now. I need to get my life right with God. And she led him to Christ right there, right on the spot because he could see with his own eyes that God had taken care of them. And it provoked something in him, a response of wanting Jesus. Amen. Praise God. And I believe that God wants to do that through you. I believe that God wants you to be increasing and increasing and increasing. And it's going to make some people jealousy uh, or, or jealous. You have to understand, yes, that is jealousy that you're picking up uh, in, in those areas. So it's not something where you flaunt a blessing, but as you walk in it, and remember, you never have to apologize for anything ever that God does in your life. It, don't ever apologize for any good thing that God does ever. God doesn't go around apologizing to anybody. And when you're walking in what he has done in your life, neither do you. You never, ever have to do that. Praise the Lord. But my friends, uh, it will attract people's attention. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. But let it all be leverage as a tool to lead them to Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. 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 I even see some of you provoking the Jewish people to jealousy in the sense where they think, now, how are they operating and walking in these financial blessings that we have enjoyed for thousands of years? How is it that Gentile Christians are walking in it? And they might even strike up a conversation with you, such as an Orthodox Jew. How are you walking in these blessings? Uh, well, we tithe. What do you mean you tithe? Well, that's what that we're, we're the ones that introduced that to the world. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we read it and we found out and it works. That's why we do it, too. <laughs> that, that belongs to us. Well, praise the Lord. In Christ Jesus, salvation has come to the whole world for whoever will believe and call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. You know what? You don't have to trap a person in the corner and try to uh, argue in a logical manner to trap them where now you've got them caught and now they've got to say, okay, you're right. All right, I'll, I'll receive Christ. No, it's not an intellectual thing. It has to be a heart thing. So you can just walk in these things. Let let the proofs speak for what they are and then let them make up their own minds. Sure. If they ask you for uh, an explanation of why you believe what you believe, absolutely share the gospel in the most clear and concise manner in which you can and share your testimony of what God did for you. Praise the Lord. Amen. And watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. May the Lord give you increase more and more. Woo! Praise the Lord. You and your children. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, today let us honor the Lord by bringing the holy tithe 
into the storehouse of the Lord. And I want to say thank you to everyone that sowed such gracious giving during the Yom Kippur uh, debt freedom offering. Praise God. Thank you for your giving. Now let us continue to walk in biblical directives. Let us operate in biblical principles and let us continue to bring the tithe into the storehouse because it truly belongs to the Lord. We are tithers. We are giver of offerings as the Holy Spirit leads us. And we are going from glory to glory financially. Now, for those of you that want to mail in your tithes and any special offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, the zip code 28654. And for those of you that prefer to go online and to bring in your tithes and offerings that way, you can do so from anywhere in the world, day or night. It's very safe, very secure. Please go to the website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage. It has a red heart. It says give. You can click that and you can bring your tithe in right there. That's 10% of all of your increase. It belongs to the Lord. Amen. And we bring it into the storehouse of God. Now we also have an orange bracket that says projects. And if you want to click on that, you can see the various projects that we are working on and focused on right now. And as the Holy Spirit leads you, sow into one of those and help us to continue to move these projects forward. Amen. Now, Father, I thank you for your people. They are blessed. I thank you that you are working through them. You are working through them to provoke others to jealousy, to wonder how are they doing it? Because, Father, I thank you that your people are walking in a supernatural covenant, a financial covenant. And I thank you, Father God, that it has proofs and evidences everywhere of increase more and more. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God, that nobody wants to follow a loser. People want to follow a winner. I see your people as financial winners and champions. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God today. God is doing something beautiful in your life. God is doing something beautiful in your finances. The Lord is going to make you smile. Praise God. Say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Now, today I want to talk along the lines of prayer and I want to get into this area of not taking no for an answer. Now, we understand that from one perspective, if God were to say no, that is an answer. So that's okay. But if God said no on something, that's okay. But in the areas where we know something is God's will, and we're praying towards that, and it still has not yet manifested, there is a place in this category where you can continue to push and pray, and God will answer. But you must, you must be willing to never quit or throw in the towel. You must say, I must have an answer. And if you do that, God will respond. But let's begin today in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we need to first cover a little bit along the lines of the subject of hardship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, I pray that you would quicken your word to our understanding today. Let us take it and devour it as spiritual food as heavenly manna. We thank you for strength being derived from your word, your food, and we give you all of the praise. We thank you for answered prayers, and we thank you that you are doing signs and wonders and miracles in our lives for your glory in Jesus' name. And we all say amen. Praise the Lord. Second Timothy chapter 2, let's go down to verse 3. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Well, my friends, um, if you were to go to the Waldorf Astoria, 
then there's no need to brace yourself for any discomfort. If you are on the way right now and you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, as soon as you finish the mes this message, I'm leaving on my trip and I will be checking in tonight to the Ritz-Carlton. Well, I'm sure that you would already know that such a journey like that is not something that you would have to gird up the loins of your mind to brace yourself for and get ready for and to endure, because the only thing that you would have to endure is uh, more pampering and more pampering and being asked, would you like another serving? Would you like another this or another that? Um, no, but as a soldier though, things are very, very different. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. When God designed life, we know his original intent with Adam was to keep sin out, but God also knew that Adam was going to have a blunder and that he was going to blow it. And God understood that sin eventually would come in. And then we as humans would have to fight through this uh, uh, jungle of sin, uh, being in the world, but not of the world being saved now, thank God and washed with the blood of Jesus. But there's still uh, various oppositions and adversaries. And as we would say, giants in the land, but God has allowed it to be tough, but not listen, not too tough. Woo, praise the Lord. But it is enough to develop you. It is enough to bring out of you through the various forms of natural resistance, the potential that could be lying dormant in you. And God wants it to be awakened. You therefore must endure hardship. Now, hardship is not a word that we enjoy. It's not something that we're going to put on a postcard or it's not something that we're going to put on a poster and say, please come to the hardship conference. We want everybody to get really ready to uh, embrace hardship. That's not what we're saying, but there is hardship in the Christian faith. There are things that as a soldier, uh, it's a soldier's life. And sometimes it's uh, it's good days and easy going. And then there's other days you may have to march 40 miles or you may uh, not have gotten as much sleep as you wanted. That, those are the hardships that you have to endure. Or you could be out in the field having to do your work, uh, and, it, and it's raining, but you're a soldier. So it's not like you can just uh, say, well, let's not do this. No, you're under command, and you have to stay there and get the job done. My friends, enduring hardness is necessary in order to win the prize that God has prepared for you. And there's something about softness and ease while good. And nobody wants to sleep on a rock for a pillow. There's something good about softness and comfort. But let me also say this, be, please listen. There is something about softness and ease. If it's in overabundance, it can destroy you. Yes, it can make you go rotten, just like an old rotten apple. Mm -mm. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Um, let me give you an example of how this can be dangerous. Scientists, they, they have great challenges with our astronauts. And when an astronaut goes into space and is going up to the ISS, International Space Station, and let's say they're checking in up there for four months. They go up there and they fly up there. They leave the earth. They go up there. They're in perfect health. They're strong. Uh, they, 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 they run, they jog while on the earth, they build their muscles and all this, and they go up there. And when they go up there, they have an exercise routine that requires at least, at least two hours of intensive exercise every day, jogging, strength training, and so forth. But if you have ever watched the footage of these astronauts, when they return to the earth after four months, and for those that have stayed longer, it's even worse. When they come off that spaceship, they are all carried off in a stretcher. And the reason they're being carried off on stretchers is because they are so physically weak 
and depleted of strength that they cannot even stand up or sit up. There is a major loss of, of muscle mass. There, uh, the, the, the even more dangerous area is there is a loss of bone mass. And it's like your whole body begins to like turn into goo. Because why? You are in a place of tremendous ease. You are in a absolute weightless environment and you float around and, and you know, you know, little school kids see that on TV and they think, Oh, isn't that fun? And I'm sure it is fun, but you can't, you can't quite understand though, what that's doing to their bodies when there is no weight, when there is no resistance, when everything is so soft and so easy, uh, if you don't get some resistance, it's going to kill you. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. So again, you can see why God allows a certain degree of hardness within the earth. And you may wake up in the morning and think, well, I've got to drag this body out of bed again. Well, thank God for gravity, because without gravity, your muscles are going to just completely go away. Your bone uh, mass is going to just begin to degen degenerate and you're not going to have any strength. So the very fact that you have to move it around and God created the element of gravity means that God knows that we need some resistance. So when everything is too soft and easy, um, it's a very, very dangerous atmosphere. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, scientists have determined that in outer space, that with, when an astronaut goes to the space station, within the first five days, just in the first five days, that astronaut loses 20% of their muscle mass. That's incredible. Mm. Bone mass loss and spinal muscle loss have lasting effects on every single astronaut who's ever gone into space. And the longer they go, the worse these effects are. And from what they've seen in studies, it doesn't ever clear up. The damage done to the spine, the muscle loss in these areas, bone density, even four years later, there's no studies showing that anything's getting any better for the, those people that paid that price. Why? Why? What happened? No hardship. They're up there with no hardship. It's too easy. There's, there's no resistance. And the two hours that they do is just a, it's just almost a wasted effort because the Bible says that God gave the earth to men. Now we can go up in the outer space if we want, but it's not a good place for our bodies to be. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm. You therefore, that's you right there, must endure hardship as a good soldier. So have a good attitude like a good soldier. Have a good attitude. We've been talking about this is the month of praise. God wants you to be praising him. Hallelujah. And so when we have to go through sometimes things that are hard and you have to endure that, endure it with a good attitude and praise the Lord. Use everything in a positive light. You know, I've been in the Middle East before and uh, uh, when you're in areas where there's also a Muslim presence, then there are the five daily calls to prayer. And you know what? The first one comes pretty early in the morning. Well, Pastor Stephen, I don't like that early morning Muslim call to prayer. It always wakes me up. Well, why not just use it as a catalyst for yourself and let it wake you up and let it be your own call to prayer. <laughs> All right. I'm just, I'm just saying, use everything that would make life hard. Anything that would make life difficult. Use it as a catalyst. Praise God. One time, uh, my wife and I and some members within the church that we were attending, uh, God touched their hearts for the Muslim people, and they were all about to do their Ramadan fast. And we just said, well, let's do the Ramadan fast too. Now we're going to do it, and we're going we're gonna to seek the Lord. We're going to pray and go after the Lord. But the exact same fast that they do, the exact amount of, uh, same amount of days, no eating during the day at all, from sunup to sundown, let's just do the whole thing. Let's just follow the whole thing. And, uh, and we did. And we went through that, then the Ramadan thing finished. And a few days after that, Kelly and I were just happened to be sitting down, and it, it was the Lord orchestrating this. And we started talking to a Muslim uh, couple. And uh, 
they they had mentioned that they had just completed. They just brought it up. They 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 mentioned that they had just completed uh, Ramadan. I said, well, that's wonderful. I said, we did too. And you should have seen the look on the husband's face. He said, you too, as Christians, did the Ramadan fast? We said, yes. He said, why would in the world would you do that? <laughs> I said, well, we're just drawing near to the Lord. And we were praying for people such as yourself that you might know the Lord Jesus. And we're just, you, you use things in life. Heart, maybe hardships or things that maybe are part of your culture that you have to deal with or things maybe in the city that you live in that could be hardships that you have to tolerate or deal with and they won't go away until Jesus comes back. So why not just take these things and endure them and just turn it all for good? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Pastor Stephen, did you lead that couple to Christ? Uh, not necessarily led them to Christ, but I would say we sowed seed. And you know what? Uh, that's, that's all you have to do. All you have to do is do what you're able to do. Just do your thing. Amen. Let the Lord be the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory. Mm -mm -mm. Any student who wants to graduate at the top will have to endure hardship. Maybe, maybe the student, if they want to, you know, be on the, the dean's list or the honor roll, maybe they have to uh, do an extra two hours of study every day. And, you know, when you're really studying, that does extract a lot of energy out of your mind. You're, you're actually, your brain is the biggest consumer of calories within your body. It's not your legs. It's not your back or your lungs. It's your brain. And to sit down and really study hard for an hour is very demanding, very, very extracting. But if you really want to be at the top and graduate at the top, and then maybe you might even have to work part time, you know, to pay for the, uh, you know, the tuition or whatever it might be. And that could be another hardship. But you know what? If you want to get to the top, then you have to endure the hardship. Any self-employed business owner who wants their business to be a success must also be willing to embrace the hardship. Because if a person, as the role of an employee, works 40 hours a week, and they're there Monday through Friday, and then after that, they're gone. But when it's your business, it, it's yours 24-7. So if you have to work 70 hours a week, if you have to work 80 hours a week, if a pipe breaks at 3 o'clock in the morning, which is what happened here at the um, church building, we had a water line break, uh, water spraying all over the place, and uh, I got in here real early in the morning, one, uh, just a few days back, like 4.30 in the morning, I heard water spraying all over the place. Well, you got to fix it. Got to get on the phone, call the plumber. But if it's somebody else, you know, they're like, oh, well, uh, I don't know what that noise is. Hope it goes away. But you know what, my friends, you have to endure anything of hardness. If you want success, you want to get to the top, you just have to, okay, it is what it is. Let's embrace it. Let's fix it. Let's endure it. Let's go. Let's just get it done. Woo. Praise the Lord. That's what you do. Glory to God. The law for winning the prize is the law for enduring the hardship. And that is what is required to win the overall race that you're wanting to win. Whether it's you wanting to win in business, whether you're wanting to win in, uh, uh, as a student by uh, being in the top three of your graduating class or whatever it might be, or you know, you're wanting to win a college diploma, uh, that's what that law requires. It's the law for enduring the hardship. Praise God. And if you're not willing to embrace that, then you're not going to be able to receive the associated prize. Mm -mm. Even the farmer has to endure some degree of hardness in order to end up at the end of the season with an abundant harvest. So you have to go out there. And even, even if you have an air-conditioned cab and you drive around in your big luxury tractor, um, it's still uh, dirty work in the sense you're going to get covered with dust and you're going to have to work long hours. And again, that's another long hour week, maybe an 80-hour week. But it is whatever it takes. You have to endure some degree of hardness to come out with that beautiful, abundant harvest. So here's the catch. When we are at ease... Or whenever we are too relaxed, we don't 
make much out of our lives. Woo! Woo! Look, I know people that they, all they want to do is they want to graduate, excuse me, not graduate. They want to retire by the age of 55 or 60 and then run off and play golf for the rest of their life. That's all they want to do. Or maybe it's not golf. Maybe it's some other hobby that they just really love and now they can do it full time. But that's all they're living for. They want to finish their, their, their career because it's just a paycheck. That's all it is. That's, that's all. They don't even really love their work. It's just a paycheck. And then they want to retire as quick as they can and then just, you know, live on a pension or a fund or their savings and then just do their thing for the rest of their life. And what? Cruise. Just take it easy. My friends, when we are at ease or too relaxed, we don't make much out of our lives. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amos chapter 6. Let's turn over to the prophet Amos chapter 6. We're going to go now to verse 1. Woe to you who are at ease in Zion. Woe to those believers in the church of the Lord Jesus who are at ease and trust in Mount Samaria. Mount Samaria would be the highest mountain in that region, and it was very rugged and extremely well defended. This would be the base of the northern ten tribes of Israel. And it says, notable persons in the chief nations, excuse me, in the chief nation to whom the house of Israel comes. So you had, the, you had the political elite, you had the ruling class, you had the leaders of the ten tribes, you had the wealthy elites, and they're all living there in Samaria, all proud, and unfortunately, all predominantly pretty much living in sin. You had, you had the uh, idolatry of the ten tribes going over into the worship of the golden calves, one in Dan, one in Bethel. And, and then, of course, many other forms of paganism and idolatry, uh, worship of other types of idols that was also eventually mixed in there. Everything, even with Moloch offering up their children uh, in the fires of child sacrifice. But so much of this was also centering around that initial statement, woe to you who are at ease in Zion. Everything looks good. And see, the problem is they're not even concerned about the reports of the Assyrian army that's on the way. And they're thinking, well, we're in Samaria. They'll never take us out. Uh, well, they were wrong. Uh, they, were, they were part right, part wrong. Part right in the thought that we're very strong. They were strong, but they were besieged. And they actually did pretty good. They held out for three years before they got squished like a bug. <laughs> and of course, whenever an evading army, such as the Assyrians, they're brutal people already, but when it takes three years for them to take the city, well, now you've made them wait that long. They've lost lives. They've lost a lot of time and money. Now they're really, really mad. So when they break through your defense wall, uh, this is not going to be a peaceful surrender uh, terms of conditions. You're going to be able to negotiate. They're going to come in, sword singing. Uh, so their swords are, whoosh, they're going to be mad. Mm -mm. Woe to you who are at ease in Zion and trust in Mount Samaria. Pastor Stephen, I'm going to retire. I've got plenty of money in the bank. I love God. I am saved, but I'm not really interested in furthering God's kingdom. I've got my own interest. Well, it, that's extremely, extremely dangerous. Let me say that actually the safest place to be in the kingdom of God, you wouldn't think so, but it's actually on the front lines. Woo! And that is the truth. I could prove that very clearly by sharing uh, some biblical principles along this line. But the safest place to be with the Lord is on the front lines of his kingdom ad advancement. If you think that you could just play around in the back and that way the devil will leave you alone, that is a raw deception. You want to be up front as close as you can with the Lord, really walking close to the Lord in prayer, really praying for the advancement of God's kingdom and uh, giving into that, being involved 
involved in that. That's where safety is at. That's where blessing is at. That's where the joy of the Lord is at. But when you just kick back and you want your life to be a perpetual vac vacation, that is a very, very dangerous place. And the Israelites whom Amos was prophesying to had to learn that lesson the hard way. So my friends, let's use our faith to move forward with the focus that God has assigned us to. Let's stay on that focus. And you will see as you continue to pray that the breakthrough will come. Even though there can be hardship and certain things that you will have to endure to get there, it will be worth it in the end. And I say that you will see your end. You will see the prophesied end, but you must endure the hardship in the interim that is necessary for all believers to pass through. Praise God. Now let's go over to the book of Judges just for a moment. Judges chapter eight. I really like this story here of Gideon, but I want you to see something interesting about Gideon. He, he had some Achilles heel issues, uh, but he had also some tremendous strengths. And you're going to see one of those strengths right here in verse 4. Judges chapter 8, verse 4. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with him crossed over exhausted, but still in pursuit. And that's... That's why these guys would uh, line up behind Gideon and, and go with a guy like this because of the tremendous leadership anointing that God placed upon him. Because here's the thing, they are tired and they are exhausted. And that is the place where many Christians say, okay, we'll take a break. Surely God understands. But no, not when you're right in the middle of the battle. And God is with you. No, you can take a break later after you finish the job. And so it's 300 Gideon's 300 men against 15,000 and they are routing the 15,000 and they're not taking their foot off the gas pedal. And they, are they exhausted? Yeah, they're wiped out. <laughs> they are wiped out, but notice they don't stop. And I'm here today, my friends, to just encourage you don't quit. You must keep on going. You must continue to pray because you are, excuse me, you're going to see the breakthrough that you are desiring God to do. They are exhausted, but they are still fighting. The fight must be fought before the victory can be won. I know that sounds simple, but it's true. We, we want the victory, but listen, the fight, and this is a, this is a fight of faith. The fight must be fought. You have to fight that fight before the victory is won. Well, Pastor Stephen, I want the victory. We all do, but you have to engage that fight. And in that fight, yes, there's going to be some difficult things that you endure as you go through it. But you will get through it. And that's what I liked about Gideon. They're exhausted. They're tired, but they're not stopping. And neither are you praise the Lord exhausted. They crossed over with him exhausted, but still in pursuit. Say this today. Say, I will not give up. Woo. Praise God. Mm -mm. Galatians chapter six, Galatians chapter six, verse nine. And let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart, we shall reap. And the Holman translation says that we shall reap if we do not quit. Don't quit. Don't give up for any purpose or reason. Amen. God has said, yes, God is in this. You must not abandon the project. You must stay on it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, rigorous prayers strengthen you to endure rigorous hardships. Mm -mm. Come on. You've got to be like a good soldier today. Glory to God. Rigorous prayers strengthen you to endure rigorous hardships. I, I would be misleading you if I were to tell you that there are not going to be any hardships 
in this victory, in this battle. No, we can win the battle and we can win the, we can win the victory. We can see the end result that we're desiring, but yeah, we're going to have to push. Amen. And there can be hardships, praise God, various kinds. You know, we just had Yom Kippur just recently. And I know that on Yom Kippur that some prophets will seek the Lord throughout the night and that God will share certain insights and share supernatural things with them. And I've known this for, you know, for years, I participate in this myself, but uh, let me just give you a little example. Uh, we just had Yom Kippur. So on Yom Kippur, you know, it starts on sunset and, uh, at sunset is when it begins. So it's dark. Well, uh, I went to bed about nine 30 at night and I got up at, uh, just a little after two o'clock in the morning and began to wait on the Lord. Why? Because it's, this is the moment of the shepherd's rod in, in the spirit realm. This is when the sheep pass beneath the rod of the shepherd for inspection. And this is what happens on the day of atonement. And so it's during this time also that the Holy spirit will give insight concerning your life. If you're a minister concerning your ministry and you'll, in other words, you'll get the word of the Lord. So I stayed up. I just stayed up, got up and uh, got a little coffee and just began to wait on the Lord and just kept going from about two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock in very interesting because I wasn't getting any, anything from the Lord. And uh, right at six o'clock I began to get tired and I'd been hanging in there for, um, you know, almost four hours. And I'm not talking about just kind of like there, half sleep, half awake. No, I'm just, I'm talking like there, focused, praying, seeking, heart going up to the Lord, you know, spending time with God. I didn't get anything, anything at all. But then right at the end, right at the very end, just when I was about to wrap it up, and also when I was about to uh, be, begin to get to a place where I would be tired and then I couldn't really focus right at that very edge. Boom. God started talking. Woo. Praise the Lord. And God gave me two things. He gave me two things that were so amazing that I'm still smiling when I think about it. Oh, 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 but Pastor Stephen, you, you need it. your sleep, though. Look, I can go sleep later. I mean, I can get a little. Now, here's the catch. <clears throat> when you push like that, often there comes a grace later, and you might get a little nap later, but you don't even really need it. You, you just, there's, there's a grace that comes. So all this sleep that people think that they need, really, um, you really don't need that much when you begin to get in that flow because God will keep you going. There, there's an anointing. Better, that's better caught than taught. Okay. But in that area, I had gone all that way, enduring, enduring. Was it easy? Well, there were a few times I would have liked to have gone to bed. There were, could have been a few times I could have, I could have said, well, I guess, I guess God doesn't want to say anything tonight. I guess God's not in the talking mood tonight. And I could have just wrapped it up. But I just said, no. I'm going to endure because I believe that God's going to say something. And I pushed and right when I got to pretty much my point where I don't know if I can go any further. He spoke right then. Mm -mm. And yes, it was worth it. Amen. But my friends, these things of hardship, maybe sometimes you didn't get, a, get as much sleep as you want. Maybe, maybe uh, by the time you got to your food, your meal wasn't hot anymore. Well, that's what, that's what we have microwaves for. Amen. Right? Just work with these things. Praise the Lord. But endure it as a good soldier. Because mm -mm. God's taking you into his very, very best blessings. Woo! Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Rigorous prayers strengthen you to endure the various types of rigorous hardships. Nehemiah chapter 4. Let's take a look today at Mr. Nehemiah, chapter 4, verse 15. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us, and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So they are rebuilding 
the wall around Jerusalem that is that was previously completely torn down. So they're going from the bottom up. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. And the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. Oh, Pastor Stephen, this, just, this is just too much work. Look, they had to really push and endure. And you know the miracle of it, they got the wall up in 52 days. Woo, praise the Lord. Staggering. But they had to really push because they had an allotted time. They have, they have only a designated amount of money. So they were really laboring to get it done. And they completed it. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. Well, we have a great example of the prayer life, of the spiritual battle, where you work, but you have your sword in your hand, or you work and you have your bow and arrow over here, ready to go. It's, it's just being a believer that understands the role of the spirit of prayer and not relinquishing that anointing, that battle anointing for prayer. Praise the Lord Jesus. Prayer is for every Christian. Prayer is the weapon of warfare in the pursuit of revival and forwarding the work of God. Everyone that was working on the wall uh, they were all there working together. Everybody is building together. Everybody is doing their best to carry their own burden and to support the other. And every single person is armed. That means prayer is for all believers. Praise God. You cannot be effective on the field that God has called you to if you don't pray yourself. Hmm. Everything also about the growth and the health of the Lord's church in the earth is connected to prayers. Look at this example in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, where even the great apostle Paul is requesting prayer for himself. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 1, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. Now, verse two, he goes on to tell you that there's resistance and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith. So my friends, God wants us to be in prayer that his kingdom work will always keep advancing and moving forward. Praise the Lord. So we must travail in prayer for God's work to be accomplished, but we must not just stay stuck in travail. Our prayers of travail must move to where they have prevailed. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And I see that to prevail means you win. To prevail means the outcome is what you were wanting it to be. In other words, you must really put your foot down, your prayer foot down, and say, I'm going to keep on praying, keep on trusting, keep on believing, keep on sowing and giving and doing what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to keep on praying because this is going to happen, and I'm not going to take no for an answer. We do see in the Bible in Luke chapter 18, where Jesus gave a tremendous parable of the unjust judge and the little widow woman who would keep going before him 
And the story that Jesus was trying to get across to the people, the emphasis of the point was that God is not unjust, but it's our praying expectant prayers that causes a speedy response to come to us. And that little lady refused to take no for an answer. Praise the Lord. Now let's go just for a moment to Genesis chapter 32. And this is where you see travailing in prayer, but it must end in prevailing in prayer. Genesis 32 verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone and we need that. I do believe in corporate prayer, of course, where we get together and we all pray, but that cannot ever, nor should it ever be used as a substitute for your own personal prayer time and your own devotional walk with the Lord. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. So this wrestling, which was very physical very intense, uh, laborious, even Jacob profusely sweating and fatiguing himself physically. This represents for us as believers, strong, powerful prayer where you travail in prayer and you keep going until you completely prevail and win in prayer. Praise God. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks all night prayer. Well, pastor Stephen, I don't know if I, if I can endure a hardness, uh, a hardship like that. Well, it's not like this happened every night to Jacob, right? <laughs> this is not an every night uh, occurrence, but when you do have those moments when that spirit of prayer and that anointing is there, don't stop. Don't, uh, uh, keep going, have that mentality. I, I will not stop until I get the answer. I get the result. Praise the Lord. God's going to do a miracle for you. Watch and see. Thank you, Jesus. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. My friends, I see that your time of prevailing is coming forth, that your time of winning is coming forth. And this is the outcome out of your willingness to endure hardship, your willingness to, to even pray more. Hallelujah. To strengthen yourself more. Glory to God. And you'll see in these hardships and how God allows certain hardships that it actually develops you. It, it causes you to rise up and they're hard, but not too hard, but they are hard enough to allow you to develop into the maturity that God wants you to be. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You're coming into it. You're coming into it. Lift your hands. I want to pray a blessing over you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people that are watching. I thank you that this is their turnaround month. Things are turning around for them right now. This is their turnaround month. I thank you for miracles taking place in their lives. I thank you, Father, that you are bringing your people out of debt. You are supernaturally expediting their debt freedom process. I speak over their lives, all bills paid, all debts paid off, paid off and gone. Father, for your glory in Jesus name. I thank you, Father, for travailing and prevailing prayers lifted up by your people. I thank you that there are certain areas, Father, that they are authorized to not take no for an answer. I thank you again, Father, there are certain areas because it's your perfect will of their life in their life that they are authorized to get results and to not take no for an answer. Father, I thank you that you're pouring strength and uh, oil of your spirit upon them to continue to pray strongly. I thank you for the miracles that you're doing. I thank you that they will see your glory. And Father, we give you all of the praise. We thank you for your healing anointing. 
We give you praise, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The Lord's touching heart issues right now. If you have a heart issue like a heart disease, put your hand on your heart right now. Father, I just release the healing anointing of the Lord Jesus into that area of their heart right now. Be healed in Jesus' name. The anointing is flowing right now. Praise God. Glory, glory, glory to God. Lord, we give you praise and glory. I pray for those that would have sinus infections. Be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus right now. Put your hand up on your nose. Be healed in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, for your healing anointing that's flowing. Father, we give you all of the praise. I thank you that you are healing finances. There's a financial anointing flowing right now. Praise you, O God. And somebody is saying also in their heart, and this is the work that God has done. You're saying, I will no longer take the Lord's tithe, and I will no longer take what's holy and spend it or use it when it belongs to God himself. I thank you, Father God, hallelujah, for sharing that revelation with somebody. They caught it, and they believe it now, and they're becoming a covenant tither. Father, we give you praise and glory. Thank you, Father. They're going to see your power. They're going to see your blessing, your lifting. So, Father, we just thank you. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, if you're watching today's program and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you can get your life right with God right now. Pray this prayer from your heart. Pray it out loud and repeat it after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died on the cross to save sinners like me. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day. So Jesus, save me now. I surrender my life completely to you. Wash my sins away with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Now lift your hands and thank him for saving you. He has heard that cry of your heart and he has answered. He has saved your soul. You now belong to him. Praise God. Glory, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Now say, this is my turnaround month. This is my turnaround month. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God is good. God is good. Now, let's take Holy Communion together. If you are a Christian, you can take communion with us from anywhere in the world. Just grab a little piece of bread. I use one of these little wafers. Grab some grape juice. If you don't have grape juice, grab what you can for now, okay? Some, whatever you got, apple juice, soda, or whatever. And uh, we'll pray over it. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We set this apart right now as being holy through this prayer. And we thank you that this is the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you for healing and health in our bodies, longevity in our lives. We thank you for love for the brethren and love for the world. We thank you, Father God, that as we receive the flesh of Jesus, let us have your kingdom expansion first and foremost on our hearts. Thank you for strength to endure various forms of hardship and to give you praise as we move forward. We thank you, Father God, for miracle answers to prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's body. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus and its mighty cleansing power. Father, we thank you that as we receive the blood, we just forgive anybody who has sinned against us. We forgive them. We bless them and we go on with you. We ask that you would lead us away from temptation 
And we ask that you would deliver us from the evil one. And if we, if we have committed any sins, we ask that you would forgive us in Jesus great name. We pray. Thank you, Father, for the mighty blood of Jesus for protection. We thank you, Father God, again, for health and strength. We thank you, O God, for the spirit of prayer staying upon our lives. We give you all of the praise. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's receive together. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to the Lord. So, be like Nehemiah. Go to work on your wall. Stay focused on the projects that God has given to you. And at the same time, keep your sword or your spear or your shield in the free hand so that you always are thinking, I must keep up my spiritual walk. I must guard my prayer life. I must be a man or woman of prayer. Praise the Lord. See, look, it's what Nehemiah understood. We can get a wall up. Okay. You can build a physical wall around the city. That's what they needed to do. You can get that wall up. But if the wall, listen, if the wall in here is not up, you're still going to get defeated. And that's what we found out later, because even when Nehemiah has to go back uh, to the Persian empire, because he's the king's cupbearer, when he goes back, uh, he's gone for uh, a couple of years. And then when he returns to check on everything, Oh my goodness. Oh, wow. It's, it's already beginning to, uh, the people are back in sin. Uh, a lot to explain, but physically the wall is still there, but deterioration spiritually has happened within the people within, unfortunately, even the high priest who has been bought out and he's corrupt. So uh, Nehemiah has got to come back and fix all of that. And uh, that's a fascinating study in and of itself. But my friends, yes, get the wall up. But if your prayer life is not up, we can, we can be making good progress as far as works and actions, maybe even church growth or ministry growth. But if we're not praying, then the enemy is planning attacks and we're now vulnerable. So let us get our wall up and let us get our prayer wall up. And the next thing you know, now everything is working the way it's supposed to. <clears throat> so fight with your sword in your hand as you do what God has called you to do. Thank you for watching. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Bye-bye.